Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Charlie Gile. Charlie, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm really, really excited to get into today's movie. So we only have a very short news section today, so let's get into it. Mazel! That's fantastic news! Jordan, big news on an upcoming Dwayne Johnson picture. Emily Blunt has joined the cast of Jungle Cruise. What do you think about this? This is a heavy hitter. You know, I like seeing big names attached to this movie that we still know very little about. Um, I think it needs, frankly, as much star power as possible because at the moment, I have no reason to see a movie called Jungle Cruise. No, I've Uh, I've never been on the Disney ride. I've never been to Disney World. So I'm not sure what this movie is going to entail. But Disney did it once before with Pirates of the Caribbean. And uh, according to news reports, they're kind of expecting this to become a franchise as big as that. So it'll be interesting to see if Dwayne Johnson's attached to all of these movies going forward. Do you think there's any chance Emily Blunt is a love interest? I hope not, because none of us like to see Dwayne Johnson having a love interest. <laughs> I'm After Jumanji, though, I'm more inclined to want something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Give me a movie uh, with Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot. I think that that would be amazing, yeah. He would have been a great addition somewhere in Wonder Woman, except for the fact that he would have been freakishly larger than any other person during that time period. (laughs) Yeah, nobody was that big. I guess Captain America might have been that big. But other than that, yeah. And I I guess Dwayne Johnson's going to be playing a a superhero down the line. He's going to be playing Shazam. So he's a little tied up there. But anyway, so that's the end of... (laughs) Uh, This week's news, like I said, we got to get into this movie. That's right, Charlie. And of course, it means it is time for Daddy to go to work. Daddy's got to go to work. And today we actually have some very exciting news. We are joined by a special guest, a longtime Rock Talk listener, making his debut appearance on our show. Everyone, please welcome Dylan Irwin. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Longtime listener, first time caller. Dylan, we are we are so excited to have you on. Uh, we know you've been following along since the very beginning. Um, and we just, just like mind letting everyone know, kind of give us give us a little background on who is Dylan really. I don't know. I'm a number of things. Um, This weekend, uh, I'm actually in Colorado, and so I'm the mountain version of Dylan. Um, However, I I have an interesting relationship with Dwayne Johnson. Um, So I knew Dwayne Johnson before he was Dwayne Johnson, when he was simply The Rock. Um, And I met him first digitally when I would play the WWE, WWF games on PlayStation 2. Um, because they're the only fighting games where they let you hit people with chairs. Um, <laughs> and uh, then I, I I was a big fan of The Mummy. I believe Brendan Fraser needs a comeback. That's a story for another day. But um, whenever The Rock just shows up out of nowhere and The Mummy returns, that's when I realized that this is a love that lasts forever. And so being on here is actually a dream of mine. And so thank you for making it come true, guys. You actually have a little more history with old DJ than we do. So it's it's nice to have your perspective. And it's also going to be really nice because Jordan and I know nothing about Greek culture or anything. So it's going to be really helpful for uh, this week's episode. 
Yes, I, I would like to uh, give a special shout out to my father for paying for my minor in college in classical cultures. So any facts that you might hear about classical mythology, those are brought to you by my father. So um, I look forward to it. <laughs> That is perfect, Dylan. We are so excited to have you on. And like Charlie said, it could not be more appropriate to have your expertise because today we are taking a look at the 2014 PG-13 action-adventure movie Hercules, directed by Brett Ratner, who you might know from the Rush Hour series, X-Men The Last Stand, and various Mariah Carey music videos. It was written by Ryan Condal, known for his work writing Beauty and the Beast, Tinkerbell and the Lost Treasure, and Lion King One and a Half. And also Rampage. He's coming. He's going to be a writer on Rampage, the upcoming Dwayne Johnson movie. So that's pretty exciting, too. Uh, a real left budget. turn for that writer. He went from Disney movie to Disney movie to Disney movie to uh, a Sword and Sandals movie about Greek mythology. And then he's going to be adapting a video game without a plot to a blockbuster movie. So it, it real left turn. He loves You know, channel. he really polished his skills with the... The Beauty and the Beast one. Well, yeah. I, mean, I think that's... Tinkerbell that's where... is just like <laughs> Rampage, honestly. <laughs> we will see if it translates. Uh, this movie, however, had a budget of $100 million, made a domestic total of just over $72 million, but worldwide raked in nearly $245 million. So it made some money around the world, not so much at home. Guys, what are your just sort of your first thoughts on this movie as we, as we step into the world of Hercules? Well... I'm a really big sword and sandals fan. I'm I watch Vikings. I watch Game of Thrones. Like I feel like everyone in their cat does. So I was really excited. Um, I like I like Dwayne Johnson, and I wanted to see him in this kind of role. I actually first started following him on Instagram after he started training for Hercules, and there were just all these just incredible black and white jacked dude photos. It was life changing. But my initial thoughts about this were. I felt like it left something to be desired, and I'll get into why later, but just initially, I don't know. There are better Dwayne Johnson movies, and there are a lot worse Dwayne Johnson movies. So for this one, I had really no expectations going into it, and I came away pretty pleased. It's entertaining. Granted, the plot is so convoluted that I tuned out almost immediately, but there are so many intricate fight scenes that it really kept me interested. Like I said, I can't pronounce a single person's name in this movie besides Hercules, so I'm glad that you are going through the acts because I would not be able to do it. Uh, a lot of good things. One of the things that wasn't so good was Dwayne Johnson's hair and beard. Oh, yeah, there was a, a messy, messy beard situation, uh, which is a shame because, you know, you see him now, he's really perfected the salt and pepper beard, but I don't know what was going on in this movie. Definitely, he doesn't have the coverage in real life that he did in this movie, you know, facial hair-wise. You know, they put a lot of work into making that beard look as real as possible. There's actually a clip from 2014. Dwayne Johnson was on Live with Kelly and Michael and uh, told a whole story about how long it took to put on that beard. And it's made of uh, something that you wouldn't expect. So I think we should listen to that clip. Did it take to get your flowing Herculean locks? Yes. Because Why we are you laughing like that? She called it a hair system earlier. That was a system. It's a, it's a system. It's a process. It's an experience. Every okay. day, every day, by the way, uh, every day for five months. Every day, three and a half hours every what? day. Three and a half hours every morning. So I'd get up at 3:30 and train, uh, and then I would go, and then I would eat and train again because I had to train twice for the role. 
and then I would go sit in hair and makeup for three and a half hours for the transformation. We had these, you would love them, by the way. We I had am. these amazing Italian wig designers, all Oscar nominated, three and a half hours. I'm telling you, because I was looking, I was like, I was looking for the scene. You couldn't see it. It was like brilliant. You're very brilliant. good, right? Yeah, because I'm very good at detecting the system. You were good. I no, it know. was good. But I have a question. Excellent. If it's taking three and a half hours, couldn't you just like slept in it and woke up the next day and be like, I'm good? <laughs> I don't know if I would have done that. Like, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it, it's just, it's they, they put so much time and effort yeah. into the wigs, you, you just can't. And into the beard. And by the way, I got to tell you, the, the beard hair, this is crazy. Mm. The beard wasn't lace, so it had to be put on uh, strips cut inch high, quarter inch wide, piece by piece. Uh. And so I asked my Italian designer, I said, Matteo, what, what, what is this? And he goes, oh, it's the hair from a yak. And I yeah. said, yeah. very expensive, by the way. With the very expensive, it's yes. very fine hair. And I said, the yak. He goes, yes, the yak. And he was putting it on my face here. And I said, well, well, what part? He goes, the testicles. Always. Oh. The softest. That's it's, the softest. It's the softest. Yes, Kelly. Yeah, yes, I'll, yeah. I'll go from a little harsher Everybody back here. I don't need the good old soft testicle hair. I'm sorry, man. Boys, boys. You know. Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> the testicles. Yeah, but it, it's the commitment of which I will go to. Yes. So. We are proud of you. <laughs> thank and you. we thank you. Okay, so we get a couple of really great nuggets there. First off, it took him three and a half hours to get the the wig and the beard on. Second off, yak ball hair. Which Jordan, would you let somebody put ball hair on you? Charlie, I had a lot of problems with this. <laughs> uh, first of all is I don't like barn animals. Not one bit. Is a yak a barn animal? Them. A yak is a... It, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and put it with a bar. A yak is just a, a wild goat. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right, So folks? Jordan it's has like, this whole theory... That every single mammal on Earth is either a dog or a cat. So is a is a yak a dog or a cat? A yak is a dog, and and it, it's, it's 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 clear to me. It's I a shaggy right. dog. A yak. If a cow is, is like a dog, then a yak is a dog. A cow is a dog. Yeah. A yak would cuddle you, and that's the that's kind of. I think a yak would cuddle you on the best with those the best day. fine Dwayne Johnson beard hairs. They talked a well, little I bit. I wouldn't want it uh... <laughs> <laughs> to teabag you. So yeah. one of the things that they talked about <laughs> is that the ball hair of a yak is the softest. Now, Jordan, Dylan, does that apply to humans? Is is wait? Well, what is your question? <laughs> is your question is is testicle hair of a human the is that, softest? Is that hair a of universal a rule? Yeah. It might be the finest hair. It depends, you know. How much time do you spend conditioning your ball hair? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The same care is not taken uh, south of the border. I, I also don't feel like my almanac of 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 ball hair is is big enough to actually determine who has the smoothest ball hair. And and so so I did have a question, Jordan, a follow-up from what Charlie asked you. So I read on IMDb that The Rock allegedly was paid $12 million for this movie. And so I would like to ask the question a second time with this edition. Would you let someone put ball hair on your face for $12 million? The only ball hair I would put on my face for that much money is Dwayne Johnson's. It would not be a... You know, it's it as bald down yak. there as it is up top. That's true. <laughs> Completely he's, hairless. He's a blank slate from a... How did they... <laughs> to toe. Okay, hold on. But that's what makes him more rare. 
how did they get to a yak is, is my question. Because this begs the question, so is there just some guy whose entire job is to shave animal nuts and then test them on people's faces to determine what is going to look the best? And and, and, and how would that make the other animals feel? This There's a deeper issue here. I'm with, about to Google pictures of yaks right now, by the way. Right, and there's definitely a yak out there with chili nuts. <laughs> Do you think they only shaved its balls? No, I bet you they shaved its entire body. You don't just shave a ball. <laughs> they left a little hair on the top, though, just so he wouldn't be embarrassed. <laughs> this used to be a Dwayne Johnson podcast, by the way. Welcome to Yak Talk. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Yak Back with <laughs> Jordan, Dylan, and Charlie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm looking at pictures of yaks right now. I got to say, doesn't look that soft although they have a lot of hair down there you can't really make out testes they just look like emo cows wearing backpacks especially this one (laughs) this this is a very visual part of this podcast by the way (laughs) oh man (laughs) i guess we can start talking about this actual movie i'm trying to think of even just a way to transition into uh um act one Hercules, played by Dwayne Johnson, is the leader of a band of mercenaries composed of the spear-wielding prophet Amphiaris, the knife-throwing thief Atolicus, the feral warrior Titus, the Amazon archer Atalanta, and his nephew storyteller Aeolus. While celebrating finishing a recent mission, Hercules and his team are approached by the daughter of Lord Codus of Thrace, who wants Hercules to train his army to defend the kingdom from the warlord Rhesus. Hercules accepts and begins his training immediately. Soon, his army marches to central Thrace, seeking to intercept Rhys's army before it can conquer various tribes. However, they are too late, and they are forced to fight the Bessie tribe, who have joined Rhys's army. So, before we get into the, the, that, the meat of that plot there, maybe we should break down kind of the way this movie posits the Hercules legend. And Dylan... Do you have a knowledge of the actual Hercules legend? It can, is, this, is the movie true to form? So... So I have a little bit of knowledge about the Hercules legend. Um, at least it seems like this film focuses a lot on the 12 labors of Hercules. And they almost get it right until they get it completely wrong. So the situation is, first of all, I also think it's interesting that in almost all forms of media, he's referred to as Hercules. So Hercules is actually his Roman name. If you know your ancient history, you know that whenever the Romans... I don't. Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, you're about to learn. <laughs> so whenever, you know, whenever the Greeks stopped being cool and the Romans kind of took over, what they ended up doing was they, they basically took over their religion. They took a whole lot of their myths. And that's why you have different names for the gods. They're the same gods. They're the same demigods, but they have different names. Hercules is one of those people. So his Roman name is Hercules, but his Greek name is actually Heracles, which I think means glory to Hera which is really bizarre when you kind of dig deeper into his legend. So the part they get right in kind of that that awesome cold open is when they say that Hera's kind of upset. Hera has a right to be upset. Zeus was being Zeus, and he decided to go and see what it was like to sleep with a human. He did. Heracles was born. And so she basically spends 
Hercules' entire life just kind of trolling him. You know, she sends the snakes after him to try to kill him. She does this, she does that. But the worst thing that she does is when Hercules is an adult. So Hercules has this wife. Hercules has these kids. And Hera's like, you know what? You don't get to be happy, so I'm going to drive you insane. So Hercules goes insane, and Hercules actually kills his entire family. He comes out of his trance. Hera's like, boom, gotcha. And his family's dead. So he's praying to Apollo. He's like, Apollo, what do I do? This is miserable. I killed my family. How can I atone for this? And Apollo decides, hey, why don't you just do 12 labors? 12 different labors, get it off your chest. That's basically your sentence that you have to serve. So that's kind of your mythological background. And this story gets really close a whole bunch of different times to that. But as we will soon discuss, it doesn't get all the way. And and so you're saying that in the actual myth, you know, it's so he is the son of Zeus as the myth goes, because this movie seems to suggest the idea that they that they created the myth. Like, that's a thing. You know, he's just kind of a mercenary who is strong and they kind of leave it. It's sort of ambiguous at the end whether or not he does have some sort of like godliness to him. But in the, the real Hercules is a son of a god. Yeah, he's a demigod. As, you know, Iolus kind of says, Iolus is like his hype man. And so for all we know, that whole myth could have been made up by, you know, Iolus or someone like Iolus. But regardless, uh, you know, the story that, uh, that, that, that we know and love or that you all know and love now wasn't necessarily the story that was told here. See, I actually found that pretty compelling. Well, this is basically this... Hercules's gritty reboot. Right. So rather than him being uh, a god and having um, supernatural powers, we're seeing this ambiguity of like, is he a, just a man or a demigod? So, yeah, I'm, le- I'm learning a lot here. And Rock Talk is the only place where you come for the yak ball talk and stay <laughs> for the Greek mythology. Leave us a review on iTunes. Um <laughs> And speaking of balls, we do, in this opening scene, get a ton of crotch of this Ayala's character so th- right off the bat. Th- is this uh, after the cold open or bef- or during it? Because I gotta, uh, we need to back up and talk about this cold open because I loved it. It was so cool. So did it? Okay. I think this is the second movie that he's ever played a demigod, and that was Moana, correct? Wasn't Maui a demigod? Yep. And- they both had a similar cold open where we get like the explanation of the legend through like this epic like scene of him conquering things or in the Moana one, it's a little more of like a story, but you're right. This cold open was so cool. And I, I think he's like going through these different labors and it's some of the coolest action, not great CGI, but cool action of this movie. Guy was hyped five minutes in. So what do we think about the other characters that we meet in this movie? Obviously, we've talked about Hercules, but there's all these other characters that I can't pronounce the name of. One of the characters that I really liked is, uh, I can't say, uh, the spear-wielding prophet. Acetaminophen. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the thing in Turkey that makes you drowsy? No, that's something else. Sorry. This like, uh, basically like the the mystic of the group, like the fortune teller guy. Yeah, I really, really liked him. So the VO that goes into the cold open, you don't know it at the time, but it's this guy's voice. And we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but it also ends with this guy's voice. And it really paints a whole uh, other picture about the beginning of this movie, knowing 
um, that this guy's supposed to be sort of a, a fortune teller or prophet, which actually led to some of the better jokes in the movie. But so we have him, we have Autolycus, and then we have Tidius, Atlanta, and Iolus. So uh, who was really your MVP? Uh, for me, the MVP would probably have to be uh, the, the the storyteller. I like the nephew. I viewed him very much as a like a mutt character from Indiana Jones. That was kind of the... He was not a the, mutt. You just want to talk about Shia LaBeouf again. We've been guys, down this road like talk three about, times on this podcast. I need to talk podcast. about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> um, I don't, no, I just really enjoyed him. I thought that he would... I liked... Like to, to me, I, I really thought the most interesting part of this movie was that it was that his reputation preceded him, which was why he was so powerful. And it, it all stemmed from this like, Iolus character. I just I could have done without him being his nephew. I think it would have been strong enough for him just to be sort of this younger guy in the group that's just like the hype man storyteller. Um, but I found him to be pretty fascinating. And I like that his character are kind of came full circle at the end. That's the one cool thing I think that they had with all the characters in this. I feel like every single character kind of had their own redemptive story arc that was taking place alongside Hercules' story arc. I personally was a big fan of of the spear the spear wielding prophet character who I was referring to as Acetaminophen. How do you pronounce it, Jordan? Give it to me. Amphiaris. Amphiaris. Well, that's, that's just what I'm gonna go with. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with Amphiaris. <laughs> I also think it's I'm kind of biased because I love Ian McShane and I love everything that Ian McShane is in. And I also love that he's like British, but he does an American accent in like every single movie, even in movies where he doesn't need to do one. And that's a guy who knows what he's doing. That's a guy who has his life figured out. And so Ian McShane, thank you. And that was one of the biggest problems I had in this movie. Everyone had a British accent except for Dwayne Johnson. And it's clearly because he can't do one, right? There's no chance Dwayne Johnson could do a British accent. The only accent not... that we've really heard him do is the Italian accent in that one sketch uh, on SNL. You know, I feel like a big bag of friggin' meatballs. Uh, and then he <laughs> did like a half-assed Italian one in that clip that we listened to earlier. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't think he can. Do, I think that's sort of outside of his acting range. Now, I have a serious question. Uh, was the... You know the Titus character that was like sort of. I guess they found him as a baby, but he's like a he's like a wild animal or something. Is his whole deal the guy who you thought is was, mute like the entire movie? Right, correct. Was he was that Enzo from WWE? Was that the same? No, guy? there's no way that was Enzo Amore. Enzo's like I don't tiny. know. I Enzo I, gets thrown by um oh who's his tag team big cast big cast big right. cast so. Big Cass isn't going to be thrown around Tidious. I don't know, man. I was kind of like having a moment. I To me, he looked like a mixture of Game of Thrones character and, and Enzo. And also, At- Atlanta didn't make much of an impact on me, except that she can put a bow and an arrow very quickly. I also had another question about her fighting style. She seemed to be like in the middle of everything, firing arrows at people point blank. Isn't the whole point of being a good archer that you're kind of away from all the action? Yeah, it was a new twist on the bow and arrow warfare in that she was up in people's grills. Uh, She also, and this is a little bit ahead of where we are, but she delivers this line in the movie, which to me is a very important thing about this group that Dwayne Johnson's with. She says at one point, you know, we're a family and nothing comes before family and I would fight for my family, which begs the question, is this Dwayne Johnson's 
uh, Sword and Sandals Fast and Furious spinoff. Was she drinking a Corona when she said that? or is Because otherwise it doesn't count <laughs> as a Fast and Furious movie. This, I, I could not get that out of my mind, though, the parallel between this group and the Fast and Furious group. And this almost being like Dwayne Johnson was playing the Vin Diesel role in this movie. Like, I could not stop making that connection. And I think that's why I like this. Another, like a big reason why I like this movie so much was it was so familiar in that sense to me. I had no idea that I wanted a Fast and Furious movie with all blade wielding chariots <laughs> more. I, I had no idea. Now it's all that I want. This should have been called Fast and Furious BC, One Last Ride. Well, that's they say one last payday in this movie. They're like all we, they go all we need is one last payday. I was freaking out. It was like the same exact thing. That's pretty much the plot um, of Fast Five. Yes, <laughs> and, then, and, and then at one point, I think that that Hercules says you're welcome. And so I have a theory. I have a theory. I think that every Dwayne Johnson movie takes place in the same universe. I think that they're Whoa. all connected. We've tried. We've brought this up on the this podcast is... once or twice. It's tough. What was the biggest problem? We came up with something that like literally they could not be compatible. Well, there's an issue when you get to like the game plan. Like the normalcy of game plan and like and this movie. Like there there begins to be some interesting crossover situations. What did you guys think before we move into act 2? What did you just think I just of of Dwayne Johnson as Hercules? Just you know, on paper, that sounds perfect. Did it live up to your expectations seeing him uh, in the full regalia? I think so. I say say what you want about the movie. I know I said that I didn't like it all that much, but I I will say that he looked like Hercules. He acted like Hercules, and so if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck, it's a duck to me at least. Basically, we look at pain and gain as like peak physical condition Dwayne Johnson. I have to say that this gives it a run for its money. I mean, he said the he told Muscle and Fitness magazine that for like eight months he like went totally solo. He said that he locked himself up like a like a like a muscly monk or something like that to train for this movie. <laughs> um, like really went full Daniel Day Lewis on us on this for this movie. I mean, I like this movie, but come on! Wow, Dwayne Johnson going method to play Hercules. Um, I I think that this is, I mean, in my opinion, this is the biggest I've ever seen him. And part of that might have to be that he spends most of the movie in a little skirt. And so he just looks even <laughs> bigger. But I thought he was like jacked. Every single scene, his veins were popping. He looked bigger than everyone in this movie. Every time he punches someone, they fly back like 15 feet. Like this to me might be the new standard bearer for Dwayne Johnson fitness in a film. When he um, was fighting the Bessie tribe at the end of Act 1, he straight up threw a man like a baseball. Like, overhanded <laughs> throw. I, I thought that that fight might have been the best one. What do you guys think? Well, I, I love that fight because you get, like, a one-on-one. Like, the, they have the Bessie guy, like, like they send out, like, their, their challenger to fight. And Dwayne Johnson immediately, I, I believe, punches a blade through his face. Like, immediately. <laughs> uh, which is just unbelievable i have issues actually with that fight as a whole i have questions about the bessie tribe they were apparently laying there playing dead waiting for the the thracian army to come up and i don't for way too how long long were they doing that like they were just playing dead for how long (laughs) right Um, it's not like i i don't know they like literally played dead until dwayne johnson like went up to inspect one they all were like you gotta you gotta give it up though they were very organized 
Nobody broke yes, character. Yes, and very, very green. Also, I didn't understand that they were all green. There's all. I want to play a clip actually from this sequence right before they fight. Uh, when Dwayne Johnson's hyping up the army, just so everyone gets a taste of of Dwayne Johnson as Hercules, as like the commander of this army, um, I think you get a pretty good sense of, of of how he sounds and kind of all we get for this movie. Let's take a listen. In this moment, on this day, become the man you were born to be. You have it within yourself to write your own legends. Let it be to death. Oh, victory! Act two. After the Bessie are defeated, Hercules and the army of Thrace confront Rhesus and his soldiers. They are victorious, forcing Rhesus' army to retreat, and Rhesus is taken back to Thrace as prisoner. As they re-enter the city, Rhesus tells Hercules that he has been fighting on the wrong side, that it was actually the Thracians who have been burning towns across the region. Hercules confronts the Thracian king's daughter and finds out Rhesus was telling the truth. It is the Thracian king who has been the true aggressor. After receiving their reward money, the mercenaries are all ready to leave, but Hercules decides to stay behind and stop the Thracian king. All but Atakalus choose to follow him. They march back toward the city, intent on stopping the Thracian king. Uh, so it's a real quick act two here. We basically just get a fight with Thrace, and then we learn that the Thracian king was the bad guy the whole time. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool how they set up this Rhesus army to be centaurs. They kind of, again, played with this, you know, is it myth? Is it true? Is it legend? What are we dealing with? I don't know. I thought, again, I had, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by the way that they played with our, our thoughts there. I have a different opinion. I, I was really looking forward to and getting into this whole dudes versus centaurs, the Hydra beasts, and, and and then when you if you, you you find out that it's just a bunch of guys on horses, and that kind of took me out of it. I, I like the mythology. I, I I like that aspect of it. And so I was a little bit disappointed. Um, I will tell you right now that John Hurt plays an awesome bad guy. John Hurt, rest in peace, plays an awesome bad guy. And he's the that's the king of of Thrace, right? Yeah, that's, that's the... Codus. I. I think that's, is, is it Cottus, King Cottus? Yeah, Lord Cottus, King Cottus, yeah. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's diabolical in this. He's real, he really milks every line. I I, I enjoyed him. For the most part, uh, I thought the acting in this movie was good. I can't really point to anyone besides maybe the nephew character that I kind of rolled my eyes at, which is like so rare in a Dwayne Johnson movie. Yeah, it was, even at the beginning, I was nervous because... It kind of, to me, felt kind of like a little bit like the Scorpion King. And I was nervous of of what we were going to get from Dwayne Johnson after seeing how wooden he was in that. But this is, you know, maybe 10 years later. And I think that it shows he I, I wouldn't say he had depth, but I believed him in this character. Uh, and that's really all that I don't know if this movie was going for too much depth, to be honest. But I, I thought so. But I thought his screams were lacking. I don't know. It seems like a weird thing to say, but like he's supposed to be in agony, especially in this scene in Act Three. We'll get to it, but his screams are like not as loud as like his conversation, which I thought was weird. <laughs> he was a conversational screamer. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, at this point in the movie, did you guys know, like plot wise, where we like what was going on? Because I feel like this I was right out. about. 
like right after the centaurs were revealed to be normal men, I, I, cause I kind of, Dylan, I'm kind of with you. I, I actually thought that, you know, they had played with our thoughts so long about the mythology. I thought this was going to be actual centaur to kind of make us think again, maybe Hercules could be a demigod. And when it was real revealed, they were humans. I was like, I didn't realize I was, you know, like what, so like, what's the point of this battle? Like, what is the, like what's the real threat here just another army who did we just fight before this scene like what what was going on so and i could be wrong but the way i understood it is that king Cotus was trying to have hercules train his army full time you know he said that he was just going to train them up until they're good to go and then leave go back to his farm or whatever he wanted to do after he got all that gold and Cotus sort of painted him in a corner so that he would have to continue training the army. Am I wrong about this? I could definitely be wrong about this. But what was the threat? Like, he wanted him to do that, but the threat was just, if you don't do this, you know, like, the damage is already done, basically. Is that the thing? Like, like your moral authority as a legend is already done because you'll have helped me destroy all of, like, uh, this Mediterranean region anyway? I, I, I mean... I think so. I, I think that's a pretty good way to put it because, I mean, if, if you're a fan of these kind of sword and sandals movies, especially ones that deal with characters throughout mythology, you know, it's a big deal to be remembered. You know, you want to be you want to be a legend. So when you die, people you know, tell your story throughout throughout the ages. And so I feel like that's kind of I mean, that was his tool that he used against Hercules. I'm not a big fan of not having centaurs-ness that I've been spitting on this podcast so far. I thought that it was really artfully done how after you saw that the centaurs were just guys on horses, other aspects of the Hercules myth kind of started to break apart even in the movie. I think it was... I can't remember if it was after this battle or after the battle where all the guys screamed like they were in emo core bands, the green, the green guys. But, but at one point I think, uh, I think that, you know, one of his, uh, one of his companions says, you know, we better get you out of here. We don't want you know anyone to see that the demigod can bleed. And then shortly thereafter, there was a scene where, you know, um, where his nephew was, you know, saying, you know, look at this armor, wear Hercules helmet. This helmet is made from this. Try on his armor. This armor is made from that. And he was kind of made to sound ridiculous because much like we saw that the centaurs were just guys on horses, we're realizing that Hercules might not be a demigod. You know, all these stories might not be true. And it's causing us to question him just like the army is. Yeah, I would. I think I would have rather seen a movie where he's going through his 12 labors. I, th- I thought it was interesting that they played with how we don't know if he's a demigod or just a man. But at the end of the day, I thought it became more confusing than it was worth. I agree with that. And and plot-wise, I also had a problem at the very end here. Uh, by the time that they defeat Rhesus and we are starting to get these, you know, we're starting to understand more about Dwayne Johnson's character. And we and then we re- it's revealed that this is a betrayal and that actually he was fighting for the wrong side. There's only 30 minutes left of an hour and 45 minute movie. Like I thought that like the pacing felt off somewhere. Because now, to me, I'm interested. I'm you. They've dropped all these breadcrumbs about Hercules' character. There's this betrayal, and then they had to try and, f- you know, finish this movie in 30 minutes. When I felt like they could have, you know, maybe shortened that 25 minute battle scene earlier, and given us a little more meat at the end of the movie. I don't know. No, I, I agree completely. I I was surprised to see that this movie was only an hour was an hour and 30 minutes long. Hour 40. 
And so so I, I feel like they, they could have done a whole lot more. And I feel like it's almost as if, you know, Brett Ratner, they were shooting it, they were getting it done. And they were like, oh, wait, no, hold on. We have to wrap this up now. And conveniently, we have two diabolical British character actors. And probability says if if there is a Fines brother or a Phineas brother, someone told me that it's pronounced like Joseph Phineas, but I'm just going to say Fines. If you have a Fines brother in a movie, He's going to be evil. It's got to happen. <laughs> so I think that they were like, hey, that's a trope. Let's do that. And it worked. All right. And let's get into act three. Wrap this movie up here. Almost immediately upon reentering the Thracian kingdom, Hercules and his band of mercenaries are overpowered and captured. While being held captive, Hercules is confronted by King Eurystes of Athens, who it is revealed has been conspiring with the king of Thrace. Eurystheus reveals that it was he who drugged Hercules and killed his family with wolves. Moments later, in a show of superhuman strength, Hercules breaks free of his chains, saving his companions and killing the traitorous king of Athens, Eurystheus. Outside, Hercules reunites with Autolycus and his forces battle the Thracian king and army. Hercules again uses inhuman strength and pushes a massive statue of Hera down from its foundations, using it to crush the king and many of his soldiers. The remaining soldiers bow to Hercules as lightning flashes in the background, and the day is saved. Uh, So it's a kind of a quick act three, but as we said, this movie, there wasn't a lot of time left by the moment that they got here. So we get this this showdown with King Eurystheus, um, who we haven't spoken a lot about, but it posits the fact that King Eurystheus actually like gave Hercules some sort of drugged cocktail, and then while he was unconscious, set wolves loose in his bedroom or whatever and killed his family. Yeah, there, there was a question that I had about that, and maybe I was just wanting so bad for it to be like the myth that I made this up. But was it almost that in his drugged state, when he was seeing his family die, that did he somehow think that he was responsible and that he did it and that a part of the reason he's a mercenary and that he's doing what he's doing is because of his guilt? Am I just extrapolating a little bit too much or did you get a sense of that? I thought he was hallucinating and thought it was a three-headed wolf that mauled his family. But I don't know. I mean, maybe upon further inspection, it could be something deeper like that. I just was not watching it at that level. Um, like I said, I checked out somewhere in Act 2. I did come back uh, to consciousness um, during the fight with the three wolves because these wolves straight up, like, maul and murder Hercules. Like, they didn't do that much damage, even though they were, like, at his neck and I don't know. I thought it was really cool, though. Yeah, there was there was a wolf straight up biting his throat. At the end of the movie, and I, maybe this is what it wants you to think, I started to kind of think that maybe he still was a demigod. And I think that's maybe purposeful with the lightning at the very end when he's when he's victorious. But there's this whole speech that, that this like prophet, this seer guy gives about believing in yourself. And this is what helps Hercules rip these chains up from the ground. And I don't know, he went... This like this to me rivaled some of the cooler action scenes at the beginning when he uses the cinder block foundation of his chains to smash this guard in the head. Yeah, I don't know for a PG thirteen movie, I thought this movie kind of like like played with the line of what's what's acceptable with for that. Like I I was into it. It was it was a don't pretty get me wrong brutal PG thirteen movie, but I really think that it could have would have been better served as an R movie. What was your favorite move that Hercules did in the battle? Because I think my favorite one was in act one 
he's fighting those screaming emo guys. And I think he like stomps on a chariot to pop it up like a skateboard or something. And then he kicks it into like five guys. I thought it was just so cool. Yes. Oh, when he like, yeah, he like pops the wheelbarrow up. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, like the, yes. Oh my God. When he catches the fire spear in his hand and then throws it back at the guy who threw it. Begs the question, if he can just throw arrows as if he shot them through a bow, why doesn't he do that all the time? Right. You need a, this dude needs a, a bag of arrows on his back. He could have a sword and be chucking arrows left and right. Um, it was very Scorpion King-esque, I have to say, right at the end there when he threw that arrow. I mean, as much as I checked out plot-wise, I really enjoyed myself. And for an hour and 48 long minute long movie, it kind of flew by. One of the things I did want to talk about, though, uh, is an iconic scene where Hercules is chained down while, um, what is it? Is it Adelana or is it the king's daughter? No, it's the king's daughter. It's about to be beheaded. He breaks free of the chains and then, like you said, uses the center block foundation to smash the, uh, the, the guy's head. But in Muscle and Fitness Magazine back in 2014, Dwayne Johnson said that he told the crew to put actual unbreakable chains down there instead of prop chains uh so you he could really struggle with the chains and he said that he blacked out after every take which (laughs) i'm not sure i believe like how many takes can you like somebody would have to put a stop to that like take nine we have to like wake him back up and say okay get back at it Dwayne. it's again very daniel day lewis of him (laughs) just going all out in this movie um, well, look, man, you don't get nominated for, a, a, I believe, a Nickelodeon Teen Summer Actor Award of the Year for nothing. They need to start putting that, like, before his name when he is, like, in trailers for movies. Like, coming next summer, Nickelodeon <laughs> Choice Award winner Dwayne Johnson. Like, that, they, they absolutely have to do that. And But, okay, so I love this idea of him asking for real chains uh, in this scene because, you know, Jordan, like you said, he's... He's the working man's Daniel Day Lewis. Nay, he is the he is America's Daniel Day Lewis. But <laughs> so this also, I have to ask one more variation on a question that I asked a little bit earlier in this in this episode, and that's, would you ever let someone put ball hair on your face <laughs> and then require that you black out multiple times for twelve million dollars? <laughs> but that's my thing about this movie is like. He really went all out for Hercules? I mean, when we get to our rankings later, um, I I think it'll rank in the top half of the movies that we've watched so far. But still, for Hercules, it seems a little weird. I think that this is kind of a a role he was born to play. And I kind of think that he... I think that he probably recognized a lot of himself in this character. (laughs) of, Of, you know, like needing... Like, proving to people that he... It's, I think like he, I think he views his life and the work that he put in as very Herculean. So I, I actually think that he probably really sunk himself into this because in a weird way, I think Dwayne Johnson views himself as a modern day Hercules, which I am more than okay with. And that brings us to the franchise Viagra test, the test that we apply to all of Dwayne Johnson's movies to answer a very important question. And that question is, would we see a sequel? Franchise Viagra. It's made up of three tenets, hard work, charisma, and physique. All across the board, I think he nails it in this movie. I think he is working hard. I mean, obviously, he blacked out after every take of the chain scene, so just that would be enough, but 
He's also literally Herculean. His stature is as big as we've ever seen it, which would also check physique off the list. It's as good as it ever was. Uh, he's also extremely sweaty the entire movie, which I know we all love. Uh, <laughs> he's drenched. <laughs> and then charisma. He gives some really good speeches, like become the man you were born to be and, and stuff like that. And one thing that Jordan, I know you and I have talked about is like one of the things that Dwayne Johnson is so famous for is motivating people or in his, all of his Instagram videos are all about motivating people. And he does a really good job of that in this movie. He's really given a chance to do that. So I think he passes easy. I completely agree. I think this is across the board, a big win for Dwayne Johnson on the franchise Viagra test. Uh, it's clear in every scene of this movie, how hard he was working. As you said, he looked fantastic and he was pretty uh, one of the most likable parts of this movie, which is, uh, just pretty impressive considering some of the stuff we've watched uh, this past year. So yeah, for me, it's a, a one, two, three check on the franchise Viagra test. Dylan, what do you think? How do you do? Okay. So I think that he gets two out of three and two out of three ain't bad. Hard work. That's an easy one. Just as Charlie said, this is a guy who's literally sitting for three hours to get fancy, get that yak hair. <laughs> this is a guy <laughs> who is blacking out after every take this is a guy who's putting in the hard work. There's no question. And physique, I mean, like I said, I started following him on Instagram whenever this movie was about to come out. He looks great. This guy does not skip leg day. It's one of my biggest problems with Hugh Jackman. He's a huge acting man, but he skips leg day and it bothers me. But charisma is, I think, where The Rock maybe didn't pass it this time because I just didn't buy it. And the bad thing about being a Dwayne Johnson fan is we know how charming and charismatic he can be, and I just didn't feel like it was there in Hercules. And so I think it's two out of three, but I, of course, will defer to the experts on this one. I would definitely see a uh, further adventures of Hercules. If the plot was a little more simple, maybe I'd even pay attention. Who knows? I would even do a prequel uh, of just the labors. Yeah, well, that's true. We never really got... Any idea of whether or not any of the labors were true at all? Well, there's I, there's a single moment I remember where he's bringing the Hydra heads to the King of Athens, and I think that there were human heads in them, I think. Yeah, because they were fake, right? They were wearing masks or something like that. But what about the lion? Right, so, so he kills the lion and then wears the, the lion fur on him the rest of the movie, and it's supposed to right, be impenetrable. Right, so he did kill a lion at some point. That actually, I can't remember if I read this or if in my post-Herculean stupor, I, I, I just I just thought of it. But I remember the big deal with that specific labor is that this is a big lion. This lion has a giant, massive head. And if you look at the, at the cold open, you can see that <laughs> that's a big cat. It's a big lion. But if you notice, all of a sudden, either his head got bigger or the lion's head got smaller because all of a sudden it fits on him like a hoodie. So I don't necessarily think that they were that they were true per se, but there's also that amazing sequence at the end with quality 2005, 2004 level CGI images where it's showing kind of what actually happened, where it's not just him performing these labors, it's everyone, and they're not as Herculean as you would think. You know what he looked like with that lion head on his head it looked like that old snapchat filter you know with the cat head on your head and it would turn with you that's exactly <laughs> oh, what absolutely like. absolutely and it was about <laughs> as menacing so charlie as uh, we all know we have been ranking dwayne johnson's movies as we go through uh this would be 
the 18th Dwayne Johnson film we've taken a look at. And ranking-wise, I know you mentioned this might make the top half of your list. Uh, where, where do you think you'd slot it? This one was tough because I enjoyed a lot of it. I thought the action sequences were really well choreographed. Some of the most well choreographed action sequences I think we've seen since uh, the rundown. You know, the opening, the cold open of the the rundown was so almost cartoonish. The violence and 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 I thought that was really cool. I think that this stacks up against that. I thought the acting was good. It just got too boring for me in the middle. I'm gonna slot this one between G.I. Joe and Gridiron Gang as the ninth best movie that we've watched so far. What about you, Jordan? So that's interesting. So in a way, this is kind of your new middle ground. Like this is now kind of your bar for like watchable or not watchable based on kind of where that is. Well, I don't know. I, I think Gridiron Gang is pretty watchable. I mean, for exhibit alone, for exhibit quoting uh, <laughs> Bible verses. I like that, you know, get smart for a lot of other reasons besides Dwayne Johnson. Basically, Snitch to me is really where the watchability falls off. Now, for me, it's a little bit higher up. Um, I've really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I was into it from start to finish. I could see myself watching it again and trying to find little details that I missed before. I thought it was surprisingly in-depth performance by Dwayne Johnson. I was impressed. I even enjoyed the kind of the pseudo romance angle. And I liked that it didn't devolve into just a really cheap, easy, the the daughter of the king falls in love with Dwayne Johnson. I liked it. I thought it was kind of different. Uh, For me, this is going to actually knock down one of my heavy hitters of the year. It's going to go ahead of the game plan and below That's central right. intelligence. So this that is, movie, this is going to keep falling in your rankings. <laughs> it's still in my top half, but Hercules, I would rewatch way more than I would rewatch the game plan. This is my number six Dwayne Johnson movie that we've watched uh, just outside my top five. I thought it was a lot, a lot of fun. Dylan, you told me that you actually saw doom in the theater. So you have seen, at oh, least some no. Dwayne Johnson movies. You know, where does it fall for you? Is it watchable, not watchable? Where where are you at? I think that there is a fine place between watchable and unwatchable. And in that zone is where Hercules exists for me. I, I know where you guys rank some of these movies. Like, I know you guys both didn't like Baywatch very much. But, like, that's a good Dwayne Johnson movie to me. It's a comedy. Oh and he's jacked. But also, I think one of my favorite Dwayne Johnson movies right now is Central Intelligence. And so that kind of gives you an idea. Hercules, I still think, is above Doom. But Central Intelligence and Baywatch, that's, that's, that's my rock. The fact wow, I'm about to that you have just praised you out Baywatch. of this entire episode. <laughs> yeah, we actually we're not even going to release this episode because I can't I I can't stomach it. That movie is the biggest abomination ever put to silver screen, and I'm including Birth of a Nation. <laughs> <laughs> I like an underdog. Oh god, that just killed me. Dylan, it has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you not only for the historical side of things in this podcast, but also for your opinions on yak testicles. Uh, it has been a real pleasure. Thank you. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Rock Talk Nation, thank you as always for listening and for your support of the show. Rock Talk is still the number one rated, reviewed, listened to, downloaded, streamed, followed, liked, favorited, and retweeted Dwayne Johnson-themed podcast on the face of the planet, and it is all because of your support and your patronage of our show. If you haven't yet, please don't forget to follow us across all our social media platforms, at Rock Talk Pod on Twitter and Instagram, as well as Facebook at facebook.com slash rocktalkpod. 
And please, 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 please continue to review us on iTunes. If you haven't yet, just know that it's the number one way that you can help us out and support Rock Talk and Jabronis like us. And join us next week. We'll have a brand new mini episode just for you. Thanks for listening. Thank you.